Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zhou, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee, and it also marks his final message as pastor at COTV. He's preaching from Mark 10, 45. Good morning again. Uh, for those of you who are joining us today for the first time, I know there are a few. My name is Abe, as was introduced, and today is my last day serving as pastor here at Church of the Beloved. Now, I, I, I will say this. The original plan was for uh, my wife Suzette and I to move back to California so that we could bring her parents to uh, back from Singapore to live with us. We have a house out there. Um, but uh, Suzette's mom, who accepted Christ about a month ago, uh, um, yeah, she, uh, she went home to be with her father in heaven on Wednesday. She passed away. So Suzette is going to be leaving right after the fellowship lunch today for the airport. She's going to be heading back to Singapore uh, so that she can start making arrangements for her father. Um, but we together decided that um, to wait until to, today for her to leave because we really wanted to be able to be here together with y'all one last time. Um, because you're our family, and we wanted to be able to say a proper goodbye. So, and as I said, today is our last day, but Suzette and I, we plan on being connected with this community that we've come to love even beyond today. You're not getting rid of us that easily. Um, I'm going to be back, actually, in a few weekends on the 24th of September, uh, I'm going to be performing Joanna Kim and Paul's wedding. They're here. You can meet them later. She's the one who takes all these amazing photos that you see around. Uh, and I also have the joy and the privilege of performing the baby dedication for Steph and Jay's daughter and Stacy and Peter's twins. That's going to be happening that weekend as well. So I'll be back. And, and I'll tell you, I'm still going to be helping out with the short-term mission teams. Uh, that are going to be serving the Tara Umara with Caitlin in Mexico, as well as going with the team that's going to be working with the care workers and orphans in the village of Susu in Zambia. Suzette and I will be doing that. So we're not totally disappearing. And another thing I think is very important to mention is this, that our leaving, it does not impact the vision of Church of the Beloved. Uh, see, our vision here as a church is to be a church of disciples making disciples, right? Because uh, Beloved has two amazing elders now, Michael and Derek. We have an awesome diaconate. We have Adam and Ariel and Tom, Isaac, Hannah, and Kotz. If you don't know who they are, they're going to be the ones standing by that door that leads out because we want to make sure no one ever leaves here without being seen, without being known. You have an unbelievable staff. You saw Yuji up here, Opal's in the back helping out with joy with our beloved kids, and Kevin, who thankfully has returned from Asia. Thank God you're back, dude. Um, we have devoted community group leaders. We have so many dedicated ministries. We have the women's ministry, worship ministry, our kids' ministry. We have, starting next week, an unbelievable teaching team that will be teaching from the pulpit. Um, so there are so many resources in place here at Church of the Beloved. So we're going to see here at the church that the gospel will continue to transform lives here in Chicago and beyond. Our vision to be a church of disciples making disciples, it will absolutely continue on. But 
Yeah, today is my last Sunday serving as pastor here at Church of the Beloved. And as I, as I look back, I can say with full confidence that it's been an unexpected five years for me and Suzette. Fully unexpected. Yet still, these five years, we would not trade them for anything. In spite of COVID, in spite of the traumas that our church has experienced, in spite of, maybe a little bit because of everything that's happened to our family, as well as our church family, friends who are like family, we would not trade these five years for anything. Because the way Suzette and I have seen God work in us and God work in the people that he has allowed us to become family with and family to is something that we could have never imagined. We could even come close to wishing for it. We are so, so grateful for it. So because of all that, that's just, uh, you know, considering everything that's happened, trying to prepare a last sermon as your pastor, it was challenging. It was a struggle. Because I had no idea what I could, what I should say that would convey how much Suzette and I have, have come to love this church community and the experiences we've been blessed with. I'll tell you, one of our elders, Michael, um, he, uh, he shared an idea with me. Um, and a great idea, Michael, but in all fairness, I wasn't vibing with it, so I, I'm not going to do that one, sorry. <laughs> um, so I reached out to a friend of mine, he's pastor of the church that I'm going to be serving at in San Francisco, and he, he gave an, a thought, a thought to me, and I thought, okay, so that's a good one. He, he said, just... Just focus on the words of Christ. And I, see, for context, I started my role at Church of the Beloved with my wife as congregants. We just started coming. And then I got asked to be the campus pastor for Wicker Park. And then I got asked to be the interim senior pastor for the church. And now I'm just pa Pastor Abe. And, and, and as a reminder and as information for others, this did not start because I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. But it started because I do love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love all of my sisters and my brothers who have become my family because of our love for Jesus. And so I, I decided I wanted to obey the call to help you and to help me love Jesus more by serving as pastor. So I thought, what better way to say goodbye than to consider and to unpack one last time the words of the one that we all love. So once again, I'm going to read, and again, Noah, thank you so much for reading that today. But let me read that passage from Mark one more time. It says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, it's been a minute since I've actually said this out loud, but I'm always thinking it. Context is king, right? And understanding the context of Scripture, it allows us to better see how relevant Scripture still is. And in order for us to see the context of today's passage, we need to back it up a little bit to verses 35 to 37. And let me read to you verses 35 to 37. It says here, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. And they answered him, 
allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Now, these are two of Jesus' guys, James and John, and they're asking Jesus for a favor. They want Jesus to hook them up and give them status when he gets to heaven. And I have to imagine Jesus, Jesus probably had a smile on his face when he responds by explaining, you don't even know what you're asking for. You have no clue what you're asking for. First of all, to get what you're asking for, you will need to live and suffer just like I will, which, by the way, they definitely end up doing. But what they, they are asking for specifically, it's not even up to him. It's not up to Jesus. It's up to God, the Father, who's already have everything planned out. So it's kind of a moot question. And as you keep reading Mark, Mark writes that the, that the other disciples, they hear about this, and they're kind of annoyed. They're annoyed at James and John. But Jesus moves to squash that noise pretty quickly. Because, see, Jesus understood, and he knew that the disciples, their annoyance was because they did not understand either. They did not understand what was actually being asked for. Because here's the thing. It's not about the status. It's not about position. It's not about any of that. See, the disciples, James, John, they all had the wrong expectations and the wrong assumptions to begin with. And Jesus tries to reframe all of them and their mindsets in verses 42 to 44. And Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. So Jesus takes the time to flip the script of understanding by showing all of them that the power that they are all trying to get really isn't about power. Real power is about service. And that's where we are at right now, the focus of today. Jesus' point when he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. James, John, the disciples, they all want to be the big dog. They want to be in charge. They want the prestige. They want the power. They want the placement. They want the promotion. They, they want it all. Now, Jesus even asked James and John in verse 38, he says, are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Jesus is asking them, are you going to be able to truly follow me? Are you able to truly be my disciples? Now, James and John say, yeah. Yeah, we do want to do that. And all the other disciples, they want to do the same thing. They ask for the same opportunity. And so Jesus explains to them what that really means. It means to be a servant. It means to serve. It means to be willing, just like him, to be willing to give up your life. See, death is a drink Jesus has to drink. Suffering is the baptism. Jesus will experience. There is a cost to discipleship, and the cost of discipleship, the cost of following Jesus, which includes 
you and me as we live to be disciples, making disciples, the cost, the call is radical and it's kind of ridiculous. Because if you want to draw nearer to God, if you want to become closer to the Savior, if you want to see all of his glory, then we need to be prepared to suffer and to remember that it's worth it. See, this road is rough. It's a rough road. It's not easy. Most won't even bother taking it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14 says this, How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Jesus is absolutely clear with his disciples that they would need to, need to take this road, this difficult road. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I'll tell you, today's message is really not only a farewell sermon, it's also the last one of this new series, this series that we've been doing, our Beloved Values sermon series. Now, I'll tell you that these values that we've been focusing on, they're not values that you'll see on our website. And by the way, if you have not checked out our website recently, I encourage you to do so. Opal and the staff, the team have been working hard on updating it. It's nice. It's got beautiful pictures and links and events, cotv.life slash events, you know, smash that, like, whatever. <laughs> but, but the values that I'm focusing on in this series, this beloved values sermon series, are not the values that are listed there. These are the values that Suzette and I, that we have experienced in our church, the values that drew us into this community in this place, and the beloved values that we practice today as a church. Now, we started this series a few weeks ago by introducing our vision as a church, which Evelyn made an amazing video for, to be a church of disciples making disciples. Ultimately, that means not living like we're in a silent disco, but let everyone who comes to worship with us here at Cervantes and everyone in Chicago, everyone in the world, to hear the gospel heartbeat of God through us and to hear it with us. That's the first value that I've seen us try to be. The second value that I want to prioritize and share was our priority to make disciples beyond Chicago. Uh, and at that time, I made a call out, and I asked folks to consider joining us next year in 2024. Join us in either Mexico supporting the Taramara with Caitlin, or join us in Zambia uh, supporting the community in Susu with me and Suzette. If you want to join, there's still time. Uh, we have fairly large groups already is showing interest, but email me today. Uh, by the way, I've been told by Yuji that she is not going to ever turn off my email, so I'll be involved <laughs> with that one. But we would love to have you join in 2024 on those trips. The third value uh, we looked at last week, uh, Jeremy Lai, our elder in training, preached on that last week. He preached on the we of our mission as a church. And our mission is this. We exist to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. Now, Jeremy, he spent the time preaching and considering how we value community. 
For those of you who were here last week, I want you to understand, I did not intentionally pick a passage about circumcision for a doctor who does circumcision for a living. I didn't know that's what urologists did. I truly did not. But it just shows God's got a sense of humor. Um, Today's message wraps up our beloved values sermon series. And it wraps it up by focusing on the one last value I believe we as a church live out today. And I hope that our church can continue to live out, which is serving. So in the time I have left, in about 10 minutes, I want to take the time to consider what it means to serve based on this passage that Noah read from us, for us from Mark. And the first thing I want to highlight is this. Um, for me, as I was reading this and considering this, the idea of the Son of God the Son of Man, the, the, the Messiah of the world serving me, it's awkward, right? And it's especially weird if I were to define serve or serving as being like a servant who takes orders. If, if, if I were to think that this means Jesus is taking orders from me, that's just, that's just wrong. And that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says that he came to serve. Because I... I am not Jesus' boss. Jesus is not my subordinate. He is not my employee at all. That is not what he's trying to explain to us. Suzette has a tattoo. I'm not sure which arm. One of them. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's this one. Uh, it says kafwa. Right? Kafwa is a Bemba word which is spoken in, uh, in Zambia. Uh, it means helper, or in Hebrew, it's Ezer, right? Now, if you don't know, Ezer is the Hebrew word for Eve, uh, as in Adam and Eve, and it's also used to describe God as our helper. But Suzette chose that word kafwa, or helper, or Ezer, whichever way you want to say it. She had that tattooed on her arm because that's the name that the folks in Zambia that we met gave her, uh, because Suzette was, Suzette is, my helper, and she is absolutely not a helper like a servant where I'm just asking her to do things. No, not even remotely. I don't think she would. Suzette is the one who comes to help when I'm weak. She brings her strength when I'm weak so that together we might be strong and that together we might work mightily for God's kingdom and for God's glory. See, this is what Christ is saying when he proclaims that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. The Savior of the world has come because we so desperately need his help. Jesus has come so that we might receive his steadfast love, his power forever, so that we might, through the power of the Holy Spirit that he left with us, be bold enough to step up to love our fellow sisters and our brothers in Christ, even when it's hard. Jesus is here to serve because we so desperately need him to carry us. See, Christ serving us, this is the heartbeat of the gospel, the beat of our not-so-silent disco. I, and I, I'll tell you, this truth makes the faith we cling to, I think, so different from what anyone would expect. Because, because our faith, it does not demand that we serve him. The Christian faith asks us to be served by him. The gospel heartbeat is Jesus' promise to serve 
us because think about this. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us to serve him because he's God. God doesn't need our service, but God wants us. And God wants to bring himself glory by serving us. And I want to take a minute just to look at that a little bit more, what it means to be served by our Savior. I'll tell you, one of the hardest things for me uh, is to admit when I need help. Um, I don't know if you are similar. I, I had an accident a few weeks ago uh, with my e-scooter, and basically I hit a car at 20 miles an hour. Um, I'm actually, it's actually feeling really good right now, just so you know. Uh, I'm doing much better. But the dude that caused the accident, he came out of his car all apolog apologetic, and he asked to help me. And I said, no, nah, it's fine. Um, call an ambulance? No, no. I didn't want to miss my coffee date with Suzette, Mary, and uh, Saran. So I just folded up my scooter, because it broke. And I got on a bus uh, and <laughs> went straight to the cafe. I didn't ask for help. I just said, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk it off. Uh, I don't like admitting that I need help, because I'm kind of dumb. And <laughs> I have way too much pride. I think I can do everything by myself. But the reality is I so, so needed help. This is how God wants to serve you and me. I'm not being served by someone I can boss around. That's not what God is. The Son of God wants to serve us by being the one, the only one, who is able to do what needs to be done because I am not. See, we're called to imitate Jesus, right? Or as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But the only way that I can even come close to being that kind of disciple, that kind of discipler, is to accept help from Christ, to let Jesus serve me. See, discipleship in Christ, being Christ-like in our thoughts and in our words and in our action, it takes work it is hard, it is costly, and it is beautiful, and it is joyous, and it is so worth it. But it is only possible if we allow the Son of God not to be served, but to serve you and me. To be clear, there are passages in the Bible where different folks like Paul, James, Jude, they call themselves servants of Jesus. Jesus called us his servants as well. In Luke 17, verse 10, Jesus told his disciples, says, he said, in the same way, when you've done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Later, Jesus also reminds his disciples, the servant is never greater than the master. So yeah, we're called servants. We're called to be servants. And at the same time, Jesus tells us that he didn't come to be served. Now, I know it sounds contradictory, but I promise you it's not. Because what scripture is talking about with these two things are two different things. Calling ourselves servants of Christ is different from accepting the service of Christ. And let me show you how. See, we are doulos, right? And that's the Greek word uh, used in scripture for servant or slave. We are the servants or the doulos of Christ. 
We are called as servants to submit to the authority of Jesus. We are intended to be servants who are obedient to the King of Kings. We are called as servants to submit to the one who is Lord over us. And at the same time, and this is based on looking at today's passage, at the same time, Jesus tells us that he wants to diakonesai, which is another way of saying deacon. He wants to deacon us. That's the Greek word in Mark used for serve. So Jesus wants to serve us. Jesus wants to deacon us. Jesus wants to minister to us. He wants to help us in our lack. And so this type of serving, this context, this type of serving is only possible by Jesus because Jesus is the only one with all the divine resources to transform us and to conform us to live for his kingdom. We are servants of Christ being served by Christ. See, we are disciples, disciples and followers of our Savior. And we are able to be disciples and followers of our Savior by allowing our Savior to deacon to us, to minister to us, to help us, because he is the source of all power and might and glory. I'll tell you, Church of the Beloved, my final message today is pretty straightforward and simple. See, my prayer for everyone here is that you will be a church of disciples who are willing to drink, drink from the same cup of Christ. My hope is that you will share in the same baptism of our Redeemer. And my charge for you today is to understand that, that we are all called. We're all called to consider and pay the price of discipleship with help from the only one that can help us, the Son of God, who came not to be served, but to serve. John 15, 5 says this, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. I'm about, I am out of time, but I want to leave with one practical consideration for all of us here. Yes, our faith and our lives as disciples of Christ is absolutely dependent upon our willingness to let the Savior serve me. Absolutely. To let the one who has all the power and all the honor and all the glory to use that to allow me to become more like him in my day to day. And as we strive to become a church of disciples, making disciples, this is my ask. I'm going to ask you to follow the perfect example of Christ with each other. See, if Christ comes to serve and not to be served, I'm going to ask, will you consider doing the same amongst your sisters and your brothers here? To serve and not be served. Noah's willingness, I don't know if Noah's still here, but Noah's willingness to come up on stage and read, that's him serving, not being served. Eugene, your willingness to lead us in worship, that is you serving, not being served. Ariel and Tom and those in the prayer ministry, your willingness to lead our church in prayer is your willingness to serve and not be served. Hannah and Hannah and Anna and Anna and Grace and Grace and Grace and Grace. I think one more Grace. Um, all of you all 
stepping out of your comfort zone to love your fellow sisters and brothers, that is your willingness to serve and not be served. One tangent, because there's a nuance to this, okay? My default, by the way, is I used to always automatically say no whenever someone would ask, hey, can I help you? No, I'm fine. Now, over the years, I've come to recognize that this default response is a little self-centered, a little selfish, a little prideful, and a little bit wrong. Because what I'm basically saying is, you're really not good enough to be able to do what I do. It's only me. I'm the only one that's able to do this. When Christ comes and says to us that he has come to serve us, we need to realize that we need his help. We're not able to do it. So I'm going to just suggest that in the same way, when your sister or your brother comes to you and says, can I help? Don't automatically say no. You might say no, but don't automatically say no. Pause. Consider. Let go of the pride that makes you think that you're the only one that can do it. You might be. There's stuff that only Isaac can do. But I ask you, use wisdom and consider letting them experience the same joy of serving you just as you experience joy in serving them. Now, Jesus didn't come to be served because he doesn't need to be served by us. He doesn't need us. Jesus came to serve because we so need him, because we need to be served. We need to be ministered to. We need to be deaconed. We need to be helped by him. And he did it by giving his life so that one day we might all be reunited together forever in our eternal home. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.